Hey there, travelers. I'm Riley. I'm Angelica. I'm Isabella. And this is True Crime International. Uh, so Riley, um, where are we where are we going today? Well, in the spirit of the Olympics being greenlighted this year, today we're going to South Africa to talk about the infamous case of Oscar Pistorius. If that name sounds familiar to you, it's because Oscar was already world famous when he was convicted for the murder of his girlfriend because he was the 10th athlete in history to compete at both the Paralympic and the Olympic Games. Which, I mean, was pretty cool when he did it, but then he had to go and kill someone. Not cool, bro. Not cool. I am a huge fan of the Summer Olympics. And, like, I understand people are really... There there are a lot of people that are really upset that it's going to happen this year. They think it's a mistake. And I, I understand completely, but I can't help but be really excited because I love the Olympics. It's so much fun. Um, and I so distinctly remember watching Oscar compete at the 2012 games. I, I like it, everyone was so excited. It was so cool to see uh, a double amputee compete with, you know, able-bodied people. He didn't medal, but he, he still did really, really well. And I made sure to watch his races because it was really cool. And then when all of this happened, it was just like, holy shit. I have no recollection of the 2012 Olympics. <laughs> I am a huge Olympic nerd. And actually, the 2024 Summer Olympics is going to be in Paris. And my parents and I decided yesterday that we're going. Oh, fun. That uh, sounds stressful, to be you. honest. But that's fun. <laughs> it's going to be crowded and disgustingly hot. But I don't care. I love the Olympics. I feel like... Winter Olympics are my jam, personally. <laughs> well, that, but also, like, they just don't seem real to me. Like, <laughs> it just se- seems fake. Anyways... <laughs> Oscar was born on November 22nd, uh, 1986 in Johannesburg, South Africa. When he was born, he was missing the outsides of his feet along with both fibulae and at just 11 months old, both of his feet were amputated halfway up the shins. And this has nothing to do with him, but fibulae is just, I love that word. I think it's fibulae. Fibulae. Well... If it is, that's just that's just my bad. It doesn't have an I. It says it's A E. So um, I love plural words that are plural Don't in a very in weird S. way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So despite Oscar's obvious physical disadvantage, he was always athletic. He loved being outside. He loved playing sports. Um, in school, he played water polo, rugby, and even did Olympic wrestling, keeping up with his able-bodied counterparts so well that sometimes it took people a while to notice that he was missing half of both of his legs. In 2004, Oscar was introduced to running as a sport after a knee injury kept him from playing rugby, um, which he loved, but... Um, He wanted, you know, something else to keep him active. And he found a real knack for it. He was good at it so much so that he competed. I know, right? (laughs) Can't relate. Me neither. I am not a runner. I love watching track and field, but I'm just like, you guys, 
You're the real ones. You're going to survive the zombie apocalypse and I'm going to die first. I'm starting to run again and I just... I'd rather not. I'd rather just like do anything else but run. (laughs) I'll go on hikes and I'll go for really long walks. But if you expect me to pick up the pace, it's just not going to happen. I'm sorry. No, I'd rather go on a walk that's double the length than run half the length. You know what I mean? Yeah. I would I would rather walk a marathon than run half a half a marathon. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So he was really great at it. Um, he actually competed in the 2004 Athens Paralympics, winning both a gold and bronze medal and earning him the nickname Blade Runner. Because honestly, was, that's a really fucking cool nickname, I know, right? <laughs> and those are in reference to his prosthetics. He had prosthetics for his legs. Yeah, um, like uh, well, when he runs specifically, he uses what are called like running blades. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's why it's called Blade Runner. It's it's so yeah. amazing that he started running in 2004 and was so good yeah. that he immediately, like that same year, he got to compete in the Paralympics. It's crazy. In 2008, he tried to qualify for the Beijing Olympic Games, but he missed the minimum requirement by 1.7 seconds, which is so sad. However, he did compete in the Paralympic Games that year and he won three gold medals. In 2012, though, Oscar achieved his dream and qualified and competed in the London Olympic Games, becoming the first ever double leg amputee to compete at the Summer Games. And I feel like that was that was like a really historic moment. That's honestly one of the moments from like particularly athletic moments that I remember the most from the 2012 Games just because it was so special i don't remember much else from the 2012 games besides the opening and closing ceremonies but of course i watched mm-hmm. those in british yeah um but yeah i i but compared to like the 2016 games i remember a lot more of the actual athletic moments than the opening or closing ceremonies yeah. but also like oscar was just such a standout in 2012 yeah me, me being super happy about the accomplishment but um upset because i know you know where it's I going know, <laughs> <I know>. yeah <laughs> It's like, that's that's what's so difficult about his story. Like, this first part is just like, yeah, you fucking go. You're amazing. And just not long later, it all got, it just all went down the shitter. Yeah. Why'd you, why'd you have to go and do that, Oscar? Even though he didn't win at the Olympic Games, he still got a ton of recognition, recognition, recognition from all over the world for what he was able to accomplish at the Games. I mean, and even just getting into the Olympic Games. And, of course, he won gold and silver at the Paralympic Games. So he was he was pretty talented, if I do say so myself, for just just until he did the other thing. By, <laughs> by the end of 2012, Oscar was riding pretty high. I mean, at that point in time, he was considered to be the second most famous person from South Africa after Nelson Mandela. Um, he had name recognition international accolades and sponsorships from huge companies like Oakley and Nike. And then in November 2012, Oscar also started dating a woman named Reva Steamcamp. Um, And when a lot of people talk about Reva, they only really mention how beautiful she was, but she was like so much more than that. Reva was born on August 19th, 1983 in Cape Town, South Africa. In 2005, she graduated in the top 10 of her class from Nelson Mandela Metropolitan University with a degree in law and worked as a paralegal. 
Before pursuing her career in law, she wanted to try her hand at a career in media, and she had actually found some success. She had started modeling when she was just 14, and that kind of helped her to become a cover girl in the first face of Avon in South Africa, which is really freaking cool. Like, Avon is a big company. She had also been a presenter for the South African TV channel, Fashion TV, and had appeared in commercials for companies like Toyota and had even been a constant, constant, a contestant. (laughs) Toyota? (laughs) Is that how you pronounce it? (laughs) No. If you don't get that joke, listen to the Philippines episode. (laughs) (laughs) Toyota. (laughs) Toyota. Toyota. And she had also... um, and she had been a contestant on a BBC, BB, oh my God, BBC <laughs> show called Baking Made Easy as a celebrity guest. This is just giving me Princess Switch vibes. <laughs> it totally does. That movie was good. Okay. The sequel? <laughs> Princess Switch switched again? Not so much. When Reva and Oscar started dating, her stardom was on the rise, just as his was, and she had, like, a super promising professional career and takeoff ahead of her. They were really becoming, like, South Africa's next power couple. They were super popular, and people loved to see them together. And you have to understand that at this time, Oscar was, like, on top of the world and publicly projected this image of being a super charming and humble guy. Um, But how people act publicly versus how they act privately are most of the time completely different. Yeah. Not always. Not in like a lot of normal people. But when people come to fame that quickly and it's like they're on top of the world, things can go downhill. Yeah. I mean, at that time, he was like... He was like South Africa's golden boy. Yeah. Because everyone in the world was inspired by his story. And so, you know, the the South African people were so excited to have him like represent their country. And Mm -hmm. it also helped that he was good looking. And the fact that he could act really charming, just the, the South African people were just like, hell yeah, Oscar Pistorius. So what a lot of people didn't know is that Oscar was a control freak. And never the type of person to take no for an answer. If he had been, he never would have accomplished all that he had. But the attitude or like the attitude that he had translated into toxic behaviors in his own relationships. Yeah, like I'm not surprised that he's the type of person to not take no for an answer. He never would have made it to the Olympics if he had. Like he never would have been athletic. He never would have found that success. But it's just like... Yeah, uh, not taking no for an answer is not always a good thing. Nope. So in Oscar's trial, old WhatsApp messages from the couple were read aloud. And if you don't know what WhatsApp is, it's like a texting app that people use instead of like regular text messages on their phone. Literally everyone in the world uses it except the United States. When I tell people here that people in the U.S. mostly don't use WhatsApp, they're just like, so what? Do, how do you text? They just don't get it. See that? And I'm like, oh, like, why do they use WhatsApp and not just the phone? Well, here's the thing: like, when you have, there's more variation in the type of phones. Was that a stupid question? <laughs> it's not stupid. It's just, uh, it's just the American perspective. But it's not stupid. Um, 
but like there's more of a variation of of phones i feel like in the u.s we tend to have this like hierarchy when it comes to oh 100 if you you don't have an iphone like what are you even doing and people with iphones get so annoyed uh having to send texts to people without iphones because then you get the green bubble and it's just like it's a whole thing and sending sms messages just isn't as nice as sending messages like over the internet and that's what whatsapp does like it doesn't matter what type of phone you have it sends the exact same and that's why it's really nice and there's less of a a phone hierarchy outside of the u.s it makes a lot of i love whatsapp i actually don't really like using uh it's just I it's message. very strange to me but because like if texting is already on your phone why download an app to text <laughs> it just it's so much easier to communicate using whatsapp and especially like it uses such little data that you barely even need a connection in order to send a message it's really nice i've used viber but not whatsapp and i mean it's just like people use like facebook mess messenger and two i hate facebook stuff. messenger so many people Facebook message me and I'm like, please stop. And they all have my phone number. I'm like, what the? F- mm. Mm. <laughs> Sometimes it's easier when I'm on the computer at work. <laughs> I really like WhatsApp. And also there's like no international charges whatsoever. Uh, because if you're sending SMS messages, you can get charged for sending things internationally. That's just so foreign to me. So most of these messages that were read aloud um, in the trial... Like, many of them were the lovey-dovey stuff that you'd expect from a new couple that is falling in love with each other. But there were also a lot of messages from Reva that, like, raised a lot of red flags. Uh, So, on January 27, 2013, she sent Oscar a message that wrote, I'm scared of you sometimes and how you snap at me. In other messages, she talked about how she felt attacked and picked on by the one person she felt she quote deserved protection from meaning oscar look they'd been together at that point like two two and a half months yeah you shouldn't be sending messages like that to someone that you've only been with for that that short amount of time yeah what what kind of messages you shouldn't be sending what like saying i'm scared of you like why would you be scared of someone and you've only known them two months yeah yeah So Oscar was jealous and he couldn't wrap his mind around the fact that Reva had ever had a life outside of her life with him and he accused her of sleeping around and basically being a slut to which Reva responded asking why it was okay for him to have had past relationships and flings but not her. And seriously, why is slut... Okay, exactly. Literally. that I've been in that situation, that exact situation and it is like the most frustrating thing that you can think of because then all the person does is bring up things that you've done in your past and it's like that was like four years ago also it should not matter either way it should not matter at all i don't care what you did and why is it okay what you did what because you're a guy yeah yeah and i'm not the double standards real i'm like tainted because i've had past relationships oh my god it drives me up up the wall anyways Even though most of the messages between the two were loving, the fact that they were already, like, red flag sort of messages was very telling, and it was clearly not a healthy relationship on both sides. I mean, Oscar may have thought that he wasn't doing anything wrong, but when you're sending messages like, I'm scared of you, something's wrong. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people like to point out how 
Oscar was never accused of hitting her, like this somehow makes him a good guy, but abuse is not always physical, and if he was getting the sense of control he needed by being like a jealous piece of shit and getting her to act in a way that he found appropriate, then he probably wouldn't feel the need to hit her. And whether or not he ever hit her really doesn't matter considering he did end up killing her. And it doesn't matter in general. So much emotional and like non-physical abuse happens in relationships that people don't... They gloss over it even though... Yes, they just gloss over it. And it's like, it can be just as detrimental to people's well-being. Yes. Yeah. 100%. I feel like a lot of people just see abusive relationships as this very black and white thing Mm -hmm. Um, or they only equate abusive relationships to the physical aspect of it. And like it doesn't matter because like an abusive relationship, it like it's it's a spectrum. It's not it doesn't always look the same way. It's it's different in Mm -hmm. every case. And the fact like if he was never physically abusive towards her whatever he was still abusive in 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 another way that can be just as damaging like mental scars take longer to heal than physical ones and again it doesn't fucking matter because he killed her and also if you if you are scared of your significant other there's a good chance that that is abuse yeah you should not be scared you should not be scared of anyone that you are in a relationship with yeah no and the fact that 2 months into the relationship she felt scared of him. That like that really says a lot that he yeah. was not afraid to show his true colors like right away. Typically what happens in abusive relationships is the first the first few months are like you're on cloud 9, you know? Like everything's perfect. This this person that you're with is perfect. And then once they have you, you know, like hooked, like you think everything's perfect, that's when things start going south. But you're Mm -hmm. like, oh, but we're, like, perfect together because the first few months were perfect. We just have to, like, work through it. Yeah. Yeah. But that's not the case. And I do know that in this case, uh, they the the defense, Oscar's defense pointed out how most of the messages they sent to each other, like, 90% of them were super lovey-dovey. And it's like, yeah, of course. Of course. Like, Riva was a really, really smart person. And also, that's the cycle of abuse. Yeah. It's Mm -hmm. you get abused, there's a huge blowout, and then it's... I love you so much. I would never do anything to hurt you. Like, you're the love of my life, blah, blah, blah. And then that's how you stay trapped in those relationships. And we know Oscar's a charming guy. Like, charming, good-looking guy with such an inspiring story. And, like, I cannot emphasize enough, they it was a new relationship. Mm -hmm. It's not like they'd been together for years. So you do see, like, that initial infatuation, oh, I love you so much, in a lot of their messages. But to me, it says so much that there are any messages at all that yeah. indicate she was afraid of him. Yep. Um, and interestingly enough, Riva was a huge advocate for fighting domestic and gender abuse and violence in South Africa, which is actually a huge problem. And I'm going to have Isabella talk about it for just a minute. It's really sad how prevalent domestic violence is in South Africa. The World Health Organization did a study and found that in 2013, so the year Reva was killed, 50% of the women surveyed reported that they had suffered some sort of abuse. And of the women who were in violent relationships, 45.9, so almost 46% of them reported injuries. 
It was also found that a majority of the women that reported abuse came from rural backgrounds, and most of the resources for domestic violence victims are in urban areas. So it's really hard for these women to get the help that they need. Yeah, because, I mean, it's not near them. Like, when you live in a city and you need help, you can, you know, walk a few blocks and maybe there's a clinic or maybe there's a center to help you. But when you're in a rural area... And maybe if you're in a domestic in, in, in an abusive relationship, you don't have access to the car. You're not allowed to drive anywhere. You're not allowed to go anywhere by yourself. Yeah, and, yeah, exactly. And like they're keeping tabs on you. It's harder to it's harder to access those sort of things. Yeah, exactly. And additionally, violence against women is a huge problem in South Africa right now as well. Like it hasn't gotten any better, and the country's president has even called it a pandemic. In early 2020, more than 20 women and children were murdered in the span of just a few weeks. And that's horrifying. Just for being women. Yeah. South Africa also has one of the highest femicide, so female homicide, rates in the entire world, with over 2,700 South African women killed in 2019, according to police figures. And I feel like those probably aren't even fully accurate. Oh, no, I wouldn't say so either. It's probably much higher than that. Yeah. And it's not even nece- I'm not even necessarily trying to jab at the police, but like, no, bodies a lot of not things being just found. go unreported. Yeah. Yeah. This uh, reminds me of the post um, Angela put on her story the other day, Riley. I mm-hmm. think you did, too, about how um, with like femicide and violence against women and how we talk about these types of crimes. It's always phrased in where like men aren't actually mentioned. Yeah, I know. And it's just like, it's a mess. And we just, we need to fix this all across the world. Like, it's just so fucked up. So Riva is an excellent example of a person who was fully aware of what domestic abuse is, what it can look like, all the different forms it could take, but still fall into an abusive relationship herself. And that's what abusive relationships do. You don't realize that you're in them until it's too late and you don't realize the grasp that they can have on you yeah so she wasn't ill-informed of anything she fell in love with someone who was charming most of the time and probably knew how to you know like make up for his bad behavior in order to keep reva in his life which is exactly the cycle of abuse like that's yeah yeah that's exactly how it happens and like we don't know she she could have already you know we we know she felt scared so she probably mm-hmm. already had some doubts in her brain she may have you know broken up with him in a couple of months they were together such a short period of time it's so hard to grasp how she yep. would have felt in the relationship long term because it wasn't long term it was yeah. so short and everyone everyone thinks that it's it's not going to happen to them you know like they think domestic view, abuse domestic violence manipulation control oh that happens to other people but but that's not what's happening in my relationship that's like that's it's not that bad but with, with all of that being said we arrive to that fateful day of february 14th 2013 and what i'm about to walk you through is oscar's description of events On the night of February 13th, when Oscar and Riva were getting ready for bed, Oscar opened the doors to the balcony off the bedroom of his Pretoria home and placed a fan in front of the open door to let the cool air in, you know, to like, because it was probably pretty warm, so he just wanted like some air circulation in there. Yeah, I mean, it was summertime in South Africa, so. Sometime in the early hours of February 14th, Oscar got up to close the balcony doors, thinking, 
that Reva was still in bed beside him when he heard a noise coming from the bathroom off of the bedroom. So, like, kind of like an ensuite situation. It was one of those bathrooms where the toilet is in, like, its own little room with a door and a lock. Like, a, um, it's called, like, a uh, toilet closet. Something like that. I can't remember the name. <laughs> water closet. Yeah, water closet. See, <laughs> that's what I was thinking, but that didn't sound right in my head. But anyway. What I find really interesting is, like, I never, I don't really hear people say water closet ever, but when you go, when you travel around Europe, like, the, the universal, like, um, abbreviation is WC for water closet. Oh, interesting. Like in all the countries you go to. Yeah. yeah. I find it really interesting. Huh. Um, so he heard the noises coming from the little water closet and he like essentially panicked, thinking someone had broken in and was hiding in the toilet. He went and grabbed his 9mm handgun from under his bed, which was loaded with um, hollow exploding bullets and fired four shots into the bathroom. Where there was no intruder, there was just Riva. Realizing what he had done, he used a cricket bat to break down the door to get to Riva. When he got in, he pulled her out and took her downstairs to try and care for her, all the while calling the emergency services while screaming and crying. You can find the recording of the call on the internet really easily. We're not going to play it. No, it's... it's it's a lot and I honestly I don't even really know what to make of it because I I have a like I I just I have so many mixed opinions about this case it's it would take us like two hours for me to get through all my thoughts on the on the call why didn't he look for Reva before shooting a gun bro literally call out her name anything so emergency services arrived a short time later, but Riva had already died in the arms of the man who shot her. Three of the four bullets had stuck, had struck her in the right hip, the arm, and the head. And these were exploding bullets, by the way, that he had in his gun. Yeah, it's those bullets that are, are meant, like, once they hit human flesh, are meant to just, like, completely break apart. So, like, once they hit you, it's just complete shrapnel. Yeah, and just, it causes like, the most your damage. Yeah. Yeah. On the next day, February 15th, Oscar was arrested, starting what would become one of the biggest trials in South African history. One watched all over the world that asked the question, was Riva's death a tragic accident or was it premeditated murder? By listening to Oscar's version of events, it sounded like the worst possible case of mistaken identity, but there are quite a few holes in his story. He never denied killing her. He takes full ownership of being the person that pulled the trigger, but he pled not guilty when his Myrtle tri- Myrtle when his murder trial began on March 3rd, 2013. He also faced charges of illegal possession of ammunition with regards to the hollow bullets and two counts of firing a gun in a public place. That last one doesn't really make a lot of sense to me because he fired the gun four times in his home, but whatever um the prosecution really had their work cut out for them because they didn't need to prove whether or not oscar killed reva he had admitted to that so they had to prove intent and premeditation which is a whole lot harder yeah i feel like with most murder trials it's proving whether or not someone actually did it yeah yeah but like we we know he did it he says he did it like he did it it having to prove basically a concept 
Like, yeah. Something, like well, because that, like first degree murder is murder with intent. Like you planned it. And so like as the degrees get lower, it's like less planning until you get to manslaughter. But manslaughter doesn't hold the same charge and same impact as as murder charges do. So that's why they wanted to get him on murder. The prosecution called a witness that testified that she had heard arguing for about an hour, followed by screams and then the gunshots coming from Oscar's house the night of the murder. The defense tried to poke holes in this by cross-examining the witness and getting her to change her mind and convince her that the screams heard were that of Oscar realizing what he had done, followed by the sounds of him breaking down the door with a cricket bat. With this... Though, I really feel like a person would be able to tell the difference in a woman versus a man screams and the difference between a gunshot and someone hitting a door because a gunshot is so much louder. Yeah. And I feel like this was like they were really trying to like get her to change her story. The witness's testimony gave the prosecution firm ground to stand on when presenting the idea that Oscar and Reva had had a big argument and then um, she hid in the bathroom unaware that Oscar would grab the gun and kill her in a rage. I think this makes a lot of sense because Oscar said that he thought Reva was still in bed when he heard the, quote, intruder come in the bathroom, but he had to go grab the gun from under the bed before going back into the bathroom to I shoot. I literally thinking about that earlier. Like, he he can't just have missed the fact that she was gone. Like, that's... Exactly. Yeah. So, that's just not... That's not it. And, like, this happened at 3 a.m. So, like, I can understand maybe not fully being, like, being, you know, yeah. entirely mentally coherent when you get up to close the, the window. But if you think uh, someone has broken in and, like, you go and investigate and then you go back into the bedroom to grab a gun, like, he's he, he had to grab the gun from under the bed. So there's no yeah. way he wouldn't have seen the bed. And also, why would an intruder hide in in your water closet? Does right? they have does to take not a really poo? make sense. Like, why wouldn't they hide like in the hallway? Like what like why would they <laughs> also, It just doesn't make sense to me. If there was an intruder and then they realize like oh, the person is out of bed, they'd probably be silent as fuck. Like they would yeah. do everything to make sure that they didn't know that they were there. It's just stupid. So also if she'd just like simply gotten up to go pee at 3 a.m., which is what Oscar said she did without him knowing, then why would she lock the door? That doesn't make sense to me at all. And, like, I mean, I think I personally just wouldn't close the door at all. <laughs> right. Like, if like I it, known... it would make sense to me that she would close the door, but if she got up in the middle of the night to go pee, why on earth would she lock the door? Exactly. It doesn't make any sense. It all makes more sense that she would lock the door to hide from him than to just go pee. And also, if you're just, like, going pee, why would you be, like, making noises besides your pee? Like, unless you were, like, talking to yourself. But it doesn't make sense. No. Yeah. And also, if if the sound, like, if it was just her peeing, he would be able to tell it's just pee sounds. So exactly. why is he all freaked out hearing someone peeing? Another thing that disproves Oscar's theory is that Reva had been standing when she was shot and she, was, she wasn't sitting on the toilet. Forensics found that she had been shot first in the right hip and then as she fell to the ground, the other two shots hit her arm and head, and the last of which was very severe. 
and the, the shot that hit her head. The bullet fragmented in two, and one of the fragments had ha- had traveled all the way through her skull. So if she had been peeing, the bullets couldn't have hit her the way that they did, because Oscar would have had to, like, move himself and the gun as he shot instead of them just like because he probably just shot in one I mean I don't know where the bullet holes in the door were but he probably just shot four times in the same place yeah I mean you can mm-hmm. find pictures and mm-hmm. the the bullets are that like they're pretty close together mm-hmm. and so it just doesn't there's no way she was sitting on the toilet yeah the defense was able to call two witnesses a married couple that lived next door to Oscar who testified that they had heard a man crying in the middle of the night, which they described as a cry of pain, which was a big wrench in the prosecution's case. This was made even worse when combined with the phone call Oscar made to the estate manager at 3.18 a.m. saying, please, please come to my house. I shot Reva. I thought she was an intruder. Please, please come quick. The manager arrived a few minutes later and said, of what he saw there. He was broken. He was screaming. He was crying. He was praying. I saw the truth that morning. No, actually, we've d- talked about this. Everyone reacts differently. And this could very well just be a show because you just you can't just take someone's reaction. Okay, it can be a show. Mm-hmm. But people who are abusive typically genuinely believe that their relationship is love yeah so i can see how he would be very upset after intentionally killing his girlfriend yeah yeah because the the range of emotions and the highs and the lows and those kinds of relationships can absolutely absolutely produce that kind of reaction mm mm-hmm. mhm yeah, and I I really buy the theory that they had had a big argument, she was hiding from him, and then, like, in this fit of, like, uncontrollable rage, he shot her. Yep. And then I think he genuinely, like, when he came out of the rage, realized what he had done and was genuinely upset about it. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I, I believe that he was upset about it, but it doesn't excuse his it actions It doesn't excuse whatsoever. the fact that he killed her. Yeah, he still shot her. A forensic psychologist also testified saying that Oscar suffered from generalized anxiety disorder, making him hyper-anxious when it came to matters of security, and in that situation where the fight-or-flight instincts kicked in, he'd be more likely to fight due to his physical disability. Yeah, it's worth noting, um, I helped Riley research this and I didn't put it in, he wasn't wearing his prosthetics when this happened, because it was the middle of the night. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He was not wearing his prosthetics. Um, so in the the defense's argument is that he wouldn't he he would choose to fight because he and he doesn't have his blades on. He can't he can't he fly. can't run. Yeah. yeah. He can't run away. But I would like I get the fight or flight thing, but if he was so anxious when it came to matters of security, why would he just leave the doors to his balcony open at night like that? To me, that doesn't make, like, a a ton of sense, especially given that the balcony overlooked the street, like, the public street. But Mm -hmm. I guess maybe he didn't think people would climb up to his balcony. I don't know. (laughs) If he, But if he has so much anxiety when it comes to security that he will shoot an intruder in an enclosed space, 
Yeah. I have a hard time believing that he would be comfortable just leaving his balcony door open. Yeah. Yeah. And he it's not like he just lived out in the middle of nowhere. Like he lived on an estate. Yeah. Like that it was a it was a gated community. I don't I don't buy it. Like I, I buy that he has generalized anxiety disorder, but using it as a, as like a reason as to I I just don't buy it. Yeah, I, I don't either. I'm sorry. I also think that we need to consider the bullets used in killing and or in the killing and Oscar's love of guns. It was no secret that Oscar was like really into guns and frequently went to shooting ranges. And this is obviously not suspicious in it of itself, but especially from a U.S. perspective. Um, but the prosecution played a video during the trial of Oscar at a shooting range where he was shooting watermelons and said, it's not as soft as brains, but it's a zombie stopper. Not How do you know how soft brains are, my yeah, dude? Not a great look, Oski boy. Not That's a great look. really fucking creepy, bro. The, I know. The prosecution also told the court about an incident in 2013 where Oscar and a friend had fired a shot at a restaurant in Johannesburg. But the details around that are like kind of iffy. It was just like. What the nut? At a restaurant? Yeah. Yeah. Like inside the restaurant. What this all tells me, though, is that Oscar was very knowledgeable about firearms and considering the bullets he used were illegal. He would have been aware of what they are and what they're meant to do, which is essentially shred a person upon impact because they're made to, you know, create shrapnel. The thing that gets me with this case is that, yes, Oscar's story could be true, but regardless of whether or not he knew Reva was behind that door, he was still fully aware of what he was doing by firing four hollow bullets into a tiny room where they were sure to hit the person on the other side. Regardless of who Oscar thought was behind the door, he was shooting to kill. And in my mind, there's there's no doubt about that. There are so many other things that he could have done. Yeah, Fired and especially the like shot. the type of exactly. bullets. Like th- those bullets are not legal. Like he no. like that's one of his charges. And so he's fully aware of what they do and the fact that he owns them and are in his gun. So he was shooting to kill. It didn't matter. It doesn't matter who it was. He was shooting to, or who he thought it was. He was shooting to kill. Also, during the trial, Oscar was forced to undergo a psychological evaluation that determined that there was no way that he would have been so mentally incapacitated the night of the killing that he wouldn't have been able to tell right from wrong and i mean that says a lot to me like his his conscience was still there and so like he knew the decisions that he was making yeah he wasn't he wasn't incapacitated in any way like there was a ton of back and forth on this trial which was widely publicized because he was like an olympic star (laughs) and broadcast all over the world millions of people watched the verdict on september 12 2014 which was made by judge by judge thakazil masipa the second black female high court judge in south african history in south africa there is no jury system as it was abolished during the apartheid so verdicts in cases like this are made by a single judge with like opinions from other high court judges if if they feel that they need it 
Judge Masipa found Oscar Pistorius not guilty for the crime of murder, but instead found him guilty of negligent homicide, which would be more or less equivalent to manslaughter in the U.S. He was also found guilty of violating the Firearms Control Act of 2000, which states, quote, Discharge or otherwise handle a firearm, an antique firearm, or an air gun in a manner likely to injure or endanger the safety or property of any person or with reckless disregard for the safety or property of any person. In total, in the end, Oscar was given five years in prison for both charges. Bullshit. Yeah, that's upsetting. Bullshit. Bull- he was basically given manslaughter. That is bullshit. No, I'm sorry. Judge Masipa, I want to like you. Just like I want to <laughs> like Oscar, but you're making it really hard. In June of 2015, Oscar was recommended for early release. No, due to good behavior. His release was all planned out. He was going to be under house arrest and do community service. And he was excited to get out of prison when just two days before his expected release, the justice minister assigned to his case sent it to the parole board for review, stopping his release. Hmm. In South Africa, early release can only be considered after one-sixth of the sentence has been served, which is not long enough okay not long enough and oscar still had not done so accusations of favoritism due to his celebrity you know status started fluttering around but on october 19th 2015 he was released from prison anyways bro bullshit this is like a little over a year yeah i know the prosecution was rightfully pissed and asked for the entire verdict to be appealed along with the sentence, which they said was shockingly light because it was five years. Judge Masipa allowed her verdict to be appealed, but she wasn't removed as a judge. She stayed on the case, which I feel like shouldn't be allowed. Yeah, that's really weird to me. Because like, what's it's the like point of appealing verdict? if you keep the same people that gave the first? Like, it d- that yeah, just doesn't literally. make any yeah. sense to me. The details of the case appeal aren't super important. Um, what is important is that Oscar's charge of culpable homicide was replaced with a conviction of murder. Thank Damn God. right. Ultimately, a panel of five judges determined... What we said earlier, that Oscar should have been more than aware of his actions, firing those four bullets into such an enclosed space, would absolutely result in the death of the person on the other side. And that's just, like, that. that's a, that's a fact. Whether or not he had anxiety about this, frankly, is irre- irrelevant, and he knew what he was doing. He knew exactly what he was doing. Also, I just, I just can't, there's, like... <laughs> They just should not have moved past the whole, like, getting the gun from under the bed that she was apparently sleeping in so quickly. Like, what the fuck? No. Unfortunately, though, in his sentencing hearing in 2016, he was still only given six years for the murder of Reba. Six years. And he didn't even... Like, if if someone is convicted of murder, like, it should not be six years. I'm sorry. No. With Oscar back in prison, the prosecution appealed the length of his sentence, saying that it was still far too light. Thank you. And in 2017, his sentence was increased to 15 years. 
that's more like it, minus time served, which was already two years, so like 13 years total. Um, in 2018, Oscar tried to appeal the increased sentence, but the appeal was thrown out. Thank you so much. And he won't be eligible for parole until 2023, which is really soon <laughs> because, I mean, right now it's already 2021, um, but I guess he's been in there. I mean, he's been in there since, what, 2017, so that'll be five years, but still, it's not long enough. Six years, I mean. Yeah, no, it's not long enough at all. And I, I just, I really get the sense that he feels like he hasn't done anything wrong. Oh, yeah. Like, I believe yeah. he killed her in a jealous rage. And I believe, like, even then, he still doesn't think that he did anything wrong and that he's a good guy. Yeah. And you're not Oscar. You killed your fucking no, girlfriend. not at all, Oscar. Fuck you. If all of their text messages to each other had been lovey-dovey, then I would buy his story. Yeah. If she hadn't locked the door, then I would buy his story. She said that she was scared of him. Like, yeah. Yeah. If 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 100% of the text messages had been lovey-dovey, I I would totally believe him I would be on question, his side. Yeah. Yeah, but the fact that he's that she said that she was scared of him, the fact that she locked the door to a tiny room at 3 a.m. That's that says that's a lot sketchy. to me and like the yeah. fact that Neighbors heard a fight. Yeah. And a woman's scream. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, so if you want to see photos of this case and if you want to chat with us about the case, if, if you're from South Africa, um, I know at least one of you is. I chatted with you on Facebook. On that Facebook person group. was from Pretoria as well where this happened. So yeah. please do tell us what this was like. Exactly. You have like... You got like a front row seat to all of this madness. Yes. Please tell like you're already on our Facebook group. Send us a message. Um, so if you don't know what our Facebook group is, you can just search True Crime International on Facebook and ask to join our group and we will accept it um, pretty much immediately because we have quick fingers. Um, if you have an Instagram instead and you'd like to follow us there, we are True Crime I-N-T-L. Um, if you want more True Crime International and you have $5 a month to spend, you can join our Patreon. You get three extra pieces of content a month. And we have a new Patreon. And her yes. name is, drumroll please, Mackenzie! We love you! Mackenzie. We love Mackenzie. Mackenzie is one of our friends, and she's also one of the sweetest people in the universe. Literally. And seeing her face pop up on our Patreon really just brightened my whole day. I love yeah. you so much, Kenzie. Thank you. Love you. Love you. And last but not least, if you are listening to us on Apple Podcasts and you enjoy our podcast, I would please ask you to give us a five-star review because it helps our ratings, and we will love you forever because we also want to know that you like what we are putting out putting down whatever the saying is give us give Pick us up your what we're putting opinions. down yes um other than that uh angel uh we hope that you learned something new today and we hope you've enjoyed your stay here at true crime international bye bye, bye.